Section 2. Building a Community. Part 1. What do you need to build a community? The question is written in vinyl lettering, large above the main exhibition boards. By 1935, 3,000 families had been settled in the newly constructed estate of Knoll West, and they had to make do with just 10 shops, three from the local co-op, a temporary Anglican church, and a Baptist chapel. Limited community facilities existed at the start in part because government subsidies only covered the cost of building homes. By 1938, this began to be rectified as resident numbers more than doubled and a number of voluntary organisations moved into the area, including an unemployed welfare association. In that year, the Philwood Social Centre and the Philwood Broadway Cinema were opened to the public. The shops and services of Philwood Broadway were soon at the heart of a bustling community. Towards the end of the First World War, the architect and MP Sir John Tudor Waters and a committee of experts were asked by the government to create a blueprint for the housing of working class people. One of the experts was Raymond Unwin, an architect and planner who had been a major figure in the Garden City movement. The committee's 1918 report was hugely influential. One of the biggest questions the committee addressed was whether houses needed parlours, a room in addition to the living room, and scullery, kitchen. The desire for the parlour, or third room, is remarkably widespread among both urban and rural workers, the report said. Witnesses state that the parlour is needed to enable the older members of the family to hold social intercourse with their friends without interruption from the children that it is required in cases of sickness in the house and as a quiet room for convalescent members of the family, that it is needed for the youth of the family in order that they might meet their friends. Raymond Unwin, 1918 Image 4 Corner block parlour-type houses erected on Daventry Road, Knoll, in 1932. Photographs of Bristol City Council housing developments, 1920s to 1970s. Black and white photo, slightly sepia, showing a brick parlour type house on the corner of a street with a low privet hedge and an empty curved road in front. No people or cars. Street sign on a pole at corner of road in front of house. Image 5. Original plan of the WDB5 parlour type house. This blueprint demonstrates Benjamin Wakefield's WBD5s, the most common type of three-bedroom interwar parlour home in Bristol. Examples of these houses can be found today on Daventry Road, between Knoll and Knoll West. A black and white drawing of the WDB5 type house, scale 8 foot to an inch. Drawings showing front, end and back elevations along the top of the page and below a ground floor and first floor plan and side section. Details explain aspects like brick and double Roman tiles. The floor plans show there was a living room, parlour and kitchen downstairs and three bedrooms with a bathroom upstairs. Much of Knoll West was built according to the reduced size allowances of later periods of council house building, with three-bedroom non-parlour room homes. 
Nonetheless, the low-density town planning, with houses that were semi-detached or set in short terraces and dispersed along wide roads and greenery, still provided far more space than people had enjoyed in their previous communities. Image 6. St Barnabas Church, Daventry Road, built in 1938. A black and white image of a brick church. Distinct 1930s style with elongated arched windows along the side and the entrance in the middle of the building. The bell tower rises from the central door and the bell is exposed at the top in a simple open arch with a cross on top. St Barnabas Church was built in 1938 and replaced a temporary church first put up in 1933 to serve the needs of the new local population. The large red brick building proved too large for the parish over time, and in 1980, the nave was demolished and replaced by housing. The church is very active today and has a growing congregation. Image 7. The Venture in Melvin Square, opened in 1935. Knoll West was the only interwar estate with a pub built at its inception. Black and white image of the Venture Inn. Brick building on a square with a green in front of it. Two very young trees on the green. It is a two-storey building. Some of the top windows have wooden shutters. Empty streets in front, apart from two children with arms around each other, walking across the green, and two women to the right of the entrance, looking into a pram. A central entrance to the pub. Simple text above the door saying, Venture in. A large arched window above this, and a clock on a gable roof. Freestanding pub sign on the street to the right of the building. The Venture Inn was opened on the 16th of December 1935. None of the other interwar estates in Bristol were provided with public houses, so this was a significant exception. One feature, quite distinct from other pubs owned by the Bristol brewery company, George's, was the large assembly room, capable of seating 300 people, where concerts, meetings and dances were held. The local gag about the pub was that you would venture in and stagger out. The venture was demolished in 2006, and the site has now been used for the building of flats. Aside from the pub, the community also had several social clubs, one for almost every area of Knoll West, along with evening entertainment such as music and skittles. A lot of social clubs have provided youth services as well. Novers, Broadplain and Eagle House are still active today. The Venture Pub. That's where best friends were made for life. Maggie Vows. Video 1. Circle at the Venture Inn, Knoll West TV. Black and white video. Lava lamp-like patterns which move around on a black background to form the words of the title, The Circle at the Venture Inn. People dancing and serving pints. Realise you are in a busy pub. Mixed crowd, old men with flat caps and young people in their 1970s best clothes. Women in dresses and men in shirts. Interview in the pub between male landlord and younger woman, sitting down at a pub table. 
goes back to another crowd scene people dancing. Bit of a band playing looks like they are in a studio, brightly lit, but is still in the pub. Band are men with long hair and shirts and stripy 1970s ties. Cut to credits. Philwood Broadway Cinema was opened on the 20th of October 1938 and over the years was fondly known as the Bug House to local residents. In addition to screening films, boxing matches were staged here, as well as concerts and, later on, bingo. In 1971, the cinema stopped showing films and became a full-time bingo hall, known as the Broadway and operated until 1994. The building has stood unused since then and is due to be demolished in January 2020. I loved the Saturday morning Frutney Rush, where we would watch two movies. At intermission, we would swarm the little kiosk halfway down the stairs and wait in line to buy a frozen jubbly, a Kiora orange juice, or a tub of ice cream. Always a good adventure movie that would have you wanting to come back next week for part two. Sometimes, the projector would pack in and everyone would start stamping on the floor until they got it working again. Jane Hooper Image 8 Interior of Broadway Bingo Club, 1992. The Bingo Club took over full-time operation of the cinema building in 1971 and ran until the early 1990s. Colour photo of inside the Broadway Bingo Club. Dusty pink walls with a dark red stripe around the middle. Decorative burgundy banner on the wall with golden swirls. Blue and black checkered floor. Tables fill the room, mostly with burgundy seats. Some in the foreground with grey plastic seats. Bingo cards and silver ashtrays on every table. A proscenium arch with a burgundy and gold border at one end of the room, to the right of the photo. With LED screens showing bingo numbers in turquoise and orange lights. A cream curtain behind the screen. Overall, everything is very clean and neat. Image 9. Len Munden Boxing Promotion Poster, Philwood Broadway Cinema, 1970. Starring local boxing legend Bobby Fischer. A black and white poster. Text on the left-hand side, a mix of fonts with large letters for the bigger boxing stars, a cut and paste style. Listing the boxers from the 19th February 1970 boxing evening event. E.g. Alan Ball versus Dervin Airy. Black and white photo on the right of a white man in boxing pose. Holding up his gloves and looking down. Wearing only shorts, gloves and shoes. Len Munden's signature over the bottom right-hand corner of the photo. Objects displayed. Broadway, bingo card, bingo paper and film distribution forms. The bingo card is about double A in size, thick card covered in faded teal coloured fabric with a cream curly pattern. Bingo numbers cover the front, each have a bright green piece of plastic that can be pulled over to select numbers. It is branded Broadway Bingo Club. Two strips of bingo paper displayed. One shows bingo numbers on a perforated strip. 
The other displays the flip side showing the Broadway Bingo Club, lettering on the back of the strip. A film distribution letter from 1968 showing where the reel of film will be going next. It is an A5 faded piece of paper with typed entry lines and handwritten title of the film and places it will be dispatched to. Film title is Secret War of Harry Frigg, Deadly. Going next to Cardiff Picture Drone, Tony Pandy. Video 2. Down Our Way, 3. Recorded and transmitted, 12.03.75. Norwest TV presenter Pat is talking to Fred about the Picture House Cinema, later a bingo hall called The Broadway on Philwood Broadway. The video includes the memory that Saturday morning was a children's film club. Fred talks us through the projection equipment at the cinema. These old projectors are now in the archive at the M Shed in Bristol. Interviewee is off stage in a small dark projection room. First half of interview is just a man talking, standing up, wearing a white shirt. Second half, the projectionist shows the projectors close up of the machinery, old metal cogs, almost industrial scale. Image 10. Philwood Community Centre, built in 1937. Black and white photo taken from above. The Philwood Community Centre is in the centre of the image. It has a large courtyard in the middle and two big rooms at each end. Clean, empty roads surround the centre. A triangular green is directly in front of the centre, with a path running down the middle. The rest of the image is streets and two-storey houses. Each home has a large garden. There are some old-fashioned street lamps and no people. Some shop fronts can be seen on the street running up to the community centre, Philwood Broadway. Everything looks very clean and new, like a model village. Philwood Community Centre was built in 1937 to serve the new community of Noel West at a cost of £17,000, designed with a large function room, a gym, Skittles Alley and inner grass court. It was described in its opening ceremony as a homely club in which every member of the community, either individually or in groups, may share opportunities for the fuller enjoyment of leisure and for making friends from the opening statement of Philwood Social Centre by Alderman Frank Shepherd. More than 80 years later, the community centre is still serving the local area in this way. Image 11. Whitchurch Airport. Opened in 1930 and the main airport for Bristol until the late 1950s, as well as a site of play for Norwest children for generations. Black and white photo. Low buildings around the edge of the image. The largest one titled Bristol Airport. Small white aircraft in the background of the image. Grass in foreground and low fencing creating a penned in area of the grass in front of the building on the left. This building has a square clock on the outside. Whitchurch Airport opened in 1930 and was the main airport for Bristol until 1957. During World War II, it was one of the few civil airports which remained operational, 
Many famous people landed there, including Bob Hope. The airfield was a site of play for Noel West children across the decades. The site is now occupied by Hengrove Leisure Centre and a retail park. Around age four or five, from the back garden, I watched planes and parachute displays coming from Whitchurch Airport. It frightened me. My dad made me a heavy hula hoop with plumbing rubber pipes and I loved it. He also made us kites with newspaper and seven privet branches and fishing nets made with privet branches and feet from stockings for the newt pond down the road. Bonita Crute. Image 12 caption. Girls doing PE at Connaught School. Philwood Chase History Society. Black and white photo of girls in PE uniform. Black shorts or skirts and white t-shirts. Their bodies are facing forwards, head and arms turned to face the right of the picture. Most are smiling. Wooden parquet floor. A teacher at the back smiling facing forwards. Windows around the side, curtains open. Connaught School and Merrywood School were two of the schools which served the local area in the early years of the estate. Norwest was also the site of a historic open-air school, purpose-built educational institutions for children, that were designed to prevent and combat the widespread rise of TB that occurred in the period leading up to the Second World War. The old Novas Hill Hospital, which had previously been an isolation hospital for smallpox victims, was bought and adapted to cater for 315 children. It would be known as the South Bristol Open Air School and, on the 15th of January 1940, pupils from the Knowles School were transferred there, followed three months later by pupils from the three other park schools in the city. I went to school in Melvin Square, just like most of our friends, Canal Infants. Then went on to the juniors. Now that was fun. We learned how to swim with Mr Keeble, Play chess with Miss Roseville, I think that was her name, and I had a teacher in juniors who could speak French. Miss Kibby, was it? No, oh, I loved her. Maggie Vows, born 1950s. Image 12B Open Air School, Bristol, Hartley Photographs, Know Your Place. Black and white photo, children sitting around wooden tables on wooden chairs, about six tables and three to four children at each table. Girls are in various summer dresses. Boys are in white shirts and shorts. Window and doors around the walls all open. Other children can be seen in the distance, outside sitting around tables under large trees. Bunches of flowers in various jugs and vases on every table. All children look attentive to books or wooden toys. On one table, they are looking up at a teacher who is bending down wearing a dark cardigan and with a bob hairstyle. There is a blackboard with sunshine, stars, rain and moon written on it in chalk. The walls are wooden and white with a high ceiling. There are two women in one doorway talking. One looks like a nun or nurse, all in white. The scene is very light, clean and airy, somehow magical. End of section two.